Xtalks connects professionals in the life science, medical device, and food industries with useful content like webinars, job openings, articles, and virtual meetings to help you succeed in your career. This life science-focused podcast brings together some of our editorial staff to share insights into the latest B2B industry news to keep you up to date. This week on the show, we're discussing the U.S. reporting its first case of monkeypox and a new FDA approval for Eli Lilly's diabetes injection. Enjoy the show. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the X-Talks Life Science Podcast. This week's podcast is sponsored by Elego Health Research. Stay tuned to learn more about Elego later in the show. I'm Aisha Rashid, Senior Life Science Journalist at xtalks.com, and this week I'm joined by Sydney Perlmutter and Vera Kovacevic. Thanks for coming today. I'm going to start us off with a story about a new FDA approval, and this is a pretty big approval uh, for Eli Lilly. Um, The company received the FDA green light for its highly anticipated uh, type 2 diabetes injection, uh, terzepatide, which is known by its trade name, Munjaro. So last week, the FDA approved the diabetes and weight loss injection, and it is indicated, uh, as I just mentioned, for adults with type 2 diabetes to help them regulate blood sugar. And uh, the injection is intended to be used in conjunction with diet and exercise to help individuals control uh, their blood sugar levels. So the drug is also being uh, investigated in trials by Eli Lilly for weight loss as well in obese patients. And a recent study, uh, well, recent results from that study and those ongoing trials um, have shown that the drug can reduce body weight by an average of 20%. Um, However, the recent approval only covers it for a diabetes treatment. And that in itself is a big win for Eli Lilly because it's looking to strengthen its position in the diabetes drug market and go head-to-head with diabetes drug rival Novo Nordisk, which is currently dominating the market with its diabetes injection Ozempic or uh, semaglutide. Now, life science industry data analytics company Evaluate Vantage predicts that Munjaro could bring in $4.9 billion in sales for Eli Lilly by 2026. Not only is this approval a major win for Eli Lilly, but also for type 2 diabetes patients, as the drug can help with both blood sugar management and weight loss, and this makes it a great advancement in the diabetes space. Now, Novo Nordisk markets a higher-dose version of Ozempic called Wagovi for weight loss for obesity patients, and uh, it's expected that Eli Lilly may do the same with Munjaro. So Munjaro is a, is a once-a-week injection, which is administered under the skin, and the dose is adjusted as tolerated to meet blood sugar goals. So Munjaro has a dual action design as it mimics the action of two different hormones that are involved in blood sugar control. Uh, The hormones are glucagon-like peptide 1 or GLP-1 and glucose-dependent insulinotropic polypeptide or GIP. And this makes it the first in-class medicine that activates both of the receptors. Now, like Munjaro, Novo Nordisk's Ozempic is also a GLP-1 receptor agonist, but again, it's only a 
a single uh, agonist for the receptor. So it's not, um, it doesn't have, it's not a dual peptide. So Munjaro has the added uh, GIP, um, the glucose-dependent insulinotropic polypeptide fused to the GLP-1. So uh, Ozempic actually um, recently, um, Eli Lilly looked at Munjaro and in a head-to-head trial last year against Ozempic. So in that trial, results show that Lilly's drug um, trumped Novos, and the studies showed that Munjaro was more effective at controlling blood sugar and helping patients lose weight um, than Ozempic was. Now, Munjaro's FDA approval was based on data from five clinical trials, either as a single standalone therapy or in combination with other diabetes medications. The efficacy of Munjaro was compared to placebo, Novo Nordisk's um, Ozempic, as well as two long-acting insulin analogs. Results of the studies showed that patients who randomly received the maximum um, allowed or recommended dose of 15 milligrams uh, of Munjaro had a 1.6% lower hemoglobin A1C or HbA1c level than placebo when used as a standalone treatment and 1.5% more than placebo when used in combination with a long-acting insulin. In trials involving other diabetes medications, patients who received Munjaro um, had a lowering of their A1C levels by 0.5% more than Ozempic, 0.9% more than um, one of the insulin uh, analogs, and 1% more than another uh, type of insulin as well. Now, many of the individuals in the studies were obese as they had a body mass index or BMI between 32 to 34 on average. So with respect to weight loss, the maximum recommended dose of Munjaro resulted in participants losing an average of 15 pounds more than placebo when neither placebo nor Munjaro were used with insulin. Also, uh, individuals lost 23 more pounds than placebo when both Munjaro and placebo were used with insulin. So participants who received Munjaro lost an average of 12 pounds more than those who were taking Ozempic, so when comparing it to Novo Nordisk's uh, diabetes shot, and 29 pounds more than those who took uh, insulin deglutic, which is one of the insulin analogs, and 27 pounds more than those who were on the other type of insulin, insulin blurt. Gene. Patients who received insulin without Munjaro tended to gain weight during the studies. Now, Eli Lilly has a couple of other diabetes medications, which um, you know are doing very have done very well in the market, namely Trulicity and Jardians. And last year, these two drugs, um, t- the sales of these two drugs totaled more than ten billion dollars. So I wanted to get your um, thoughts on this new approval. I have talked about terzepatide on this podcast recently um, with respect to the study, to the weight loss study. So I did, um, you know, we did talk about that on the show, but it's great to see that now, you know, the drug um, is moving forward mm-hmm. and it's been approved for um, blood sugar control to begin with. So we're anticipating that they are anticipating um, an approval for it as a weight loss 
medication as well down the line. Yeah. So um, just have a question, Aisha. So um, so Munjaro, right? Um, it's it could be prescribed alone or it could be um, prescribed with insulin. Um, however, like I read that if it is prescribed with insulin, like they shouldn't be mixed together in the same injection. But um, yeah, so how would like if it's prescribed alone versus with insulin? I yeah, that's something that, um, you know, your physician would have to, to to determine. So right now, the approval states that it's um, it doesn't state any specifics about how it's to be used with other medications, including, you know, insulin, but it's indicated um, to be used in conjunction with exercise and diet. So that's what it is. Now, if, you know, other medications are to be added into the mess, mix, that is um, up to yeah, it probably physician. depends on the specific patient and lots of other factors. Absolutely, yeah. exactly. But I thought yeah, it was very why. beneficial yeah. that it's like a once a week dose. So it's, yeah. Yeah. And what do you guys think about like um, a shot? It's an injection, right? So it's kind of, um, I mean, you have Novo Nordisk's um, GLP-1 receptor agonist too, Ozempic, which is also an injection. But this is, I think, you know, these are kind of newer types of drugs, the GLP agonists, and they're in injection form. So do you think it would, yeah, like you're saying, do you think it'd be more convenient for patients to get that once a week injection instead of taking, you know, a pill once a day or however, or whatever it is? Because metformin's been, yeah, the, the, the drug um, that's been reigning in the past couple of uh, decades or years um, for the treatment of diabetes. And that, you know, my dad is on like a very low dose and and, and um, so he takes that and then you ha he has to chop it in half, you know, for, t for taking the half dose every day. So, um, yeah, what do you think? Do you think it makes it more convenient or do you think people with needle phobia might <laughs> shy away from it? Yeah, I think it is, to me, it would sound more convenient than taking a pill every single day. But you or I would really have to sort of hype myself up and, uh, you know, the first few times. And then I think once you once you get used to it, it just becomes like normal to you. Um, and yeah, I think needles in general and just, you know, shots are becoming a little more normalized, especially, mm. you know, during COVID. Um, and we're starting to recognize like, you know, not all medication is in pill format. Like some some cures and some things just kind of have to be in a shot. Um, mm -hmm. So I think we should just get used to that. And I, I understand that needle phobia is is a real thing, and and you know some people can't get over it, and that's why there are other options. But yeah, I think it's I think it it would be a more convenient option um, if you were comfortable with it. Yeah, and uh, Ozempic is given by self-injection, inject and um, I guess, you know, a lot of diabetes patients must kind of be used to the pricks, you know, when they're testing their blood glucose That's true. Uh, levels pretty regularly, so... Uh, but of course, a shot is kind of a, you know, a little bit more invasive and a little <laughs> bit more different. But yeah, I think it's definitely a, a great option. And Yeah, mm. and Munjaru comes in Lily's auto-injector pen with a hidden needle that patients do not need mm -hmm. to handle or see. Yeah. At, or see. There yeah. you go. And also, yeah, things like insulin. <laughs> That's great. If, yeah. if um, people with diabetes are taking insulin, isn't that only available? Or, or one of the main methods it's administered is in a, right. in a shot, right? 
Now let's take a break to hear more from our sponsor this week, Elego Health Research, about their oncology clinical trial programs to mark Cancer Awareness Month. Have a listen to this short Q&A. How does Elego Health Research support oncology clinical trial programs? Elego supports oncology clinical trials with early access to known, diverse patients our Intelligo research stack technology that ensures data integrity from patient ID to study close, and our research partner services that enable healthcare practices and research sites to seamlessly participate in clinical trials as research ready. In what ways can Elego improve oncology research for the benefit of patients? Elego is improving oncology research by increasing access to trial participation, improving patient centricity, and supporting sites conducting research. By working within the trusted patient-physician relationship and maintaining engagement with patients throughout the trial process, we are also ensuring a better experience for all involved. How does Elego help drive faster clinical trial enrollment? Elego drives faster clinical trial enrollment by offering early access to patients who are pre-vetted for protocol inclusion through HIPAA-compliant identified EHR data through our patient select identification and engagement model. For every patient select study, we perform a system-wide electronic medical record search to find a large selection of qualified patients who meet the study requirements, saving time and money over indication-focused advertising. Welcome back, everyone. Uh, Let's go into our next story, and this has to do with monkeypox. So as we've been hearing in the news, and of course, us also covering the news here at Xtalks, Um, outbreaks of monkeypox are being seen around the world, and the U.S. reported its very first case in Massachusetts last week. Now, monkeypox has been spreading across Europe and North America in recent weeks, um, and handfuls of cases have been found in countries like Canada, Australia, and in Europe, um, Britain, France, Italy, Sweden, Portugal, and Spain, among others, have reported cases. So, of course, you know, as I was the in- intro to my article here, I was talking about like battling infectious diseases may not be the same anymore after COVID 19. And uh, so, global infectious disease centers are always on high alert, but, you know, I think in addition to them, the general public is also uh, probably a lot more on alert when they hear about new infectious diseases. And uh, I think this is the case with monkeypox now too. People are sitting up and taking notice, okay, what's going on? So let's take a look at some of uh, the numbers. There are currently two confirmed cases in Quebec in Canada and 17 suspected cases in the Montreal region in the province. Meanwhile, in Spain and Portugal, um, they've now reported over 40 cases, uh, I think between the two countries. And the one confirmed case in the U.S. has been linked to travel from Canada via private transportation. Now, you know, some people might be wondering what monkeypox is. I mean, we, we all know smallpox, chickenpox, but what exactly is monkeypox? So let's talk a little bit about that. Uh, monkeypox is a rare zoonotic disease, so it can be transmitted from animals to humans. There are two main strains of the monkeypox virus, the West African strain, which has a mortality rate of around 1%, and the more severe Congo strain, which has a mortality rate of up to 10%. 
Now, the positive news is that most of the monkeypox cases being reported, and in general, um, usually present with mild symptoms. And this is why health officials all around the world are saying that they are closely, closely watching its spread, but asking people not to panic. Now, um, in light of the more than dozen cases, um, suspected cases reported in the Montreal area in Canada, the Public Health Agency of Canada said in a statement that this is an evolving and ongoing investigation, both in Canada and around the world. Now, up until now, monkeypox outbreaks have mostly been confined to Central and Western Africa. So any, you know... Cases that we're seeing now or that have been seen in the past are attributed to international travel. Now, Britain recently announced that it will be offering the smallpox vaccine, which is 85% effective against monkeypox, according to the WHO, uh, to healthcare workers in the country due to the handfuls and strings of cases that are being reported across Europe. So monkeypox is a viral infection caused by the monkeypox virus, and it is similar to smallpox, hence why the smallpox vaccine is quite effective against it. And as I mentioned, it's zoonotic, so it can jump from animals to humans. Um, and so monkeypox was first discovered in a colony of monkeys in a research lab in 1958, and this information is readily available on the um, CDC's website. And two outbreaks of a pox-like disease occurred among those monkeys, and that's why the virus was named after, those, after the animals. Um, now, according to the CDC, the first human case of monkeypox was identified in 1970 in the Democratic Republic of the Congo. And this was during a period when there were, there were intense efforts to eradicate smallpox. So the natural reservoir of monkeypox is not known, um, although African rodents and non-human primate, primates like monkeys may play host to the virus. So what are the symptoms of monkeypox? According to the CDC, the symptoms are similar to smallpox, but milder and include um, a very you know, noticeable rash on the skin all over the body, typically. Fever, headache, muscle aches, backache, chills, fatigue, and swollen lymph nodes. Now, the main difference between the symptoms of smallpox versus monkeypox is that monkeypox um, causes swollen lymph nodes, um, whereas smallpox does not. The time from infection to the appearance of symptoms for monkeypox typically between 7 to 14 days, but can range from 5 to 21 days. And the illness usually lasts for about two to four weeks. So despite the mildness of most cases, according to the CDC, monkeypox has been shown to cause death in as many as one in 10 people who contract the disease. How is monkeypox transmitted? Well, person-to-person -person transmission apparently is not common for monkeypox, but it is transmitted through close contact nevertheless. So the first three cases of monkeypox reported by the UK to the WHO on May the 13th were among individuals who were family members living together. It's also spread through open sores, contact with bodily fluids, or by touching contaminated clothes or bedding. So in terms of treatments, um, there's no proven safe treatment for monkeypox infection. However, to help treat the infection and prevent spread, um, antivirals, the smallpox vaccine, um, 
and also an immunoglobin can be used as treatments and prevention. Now, in the U.S., a vaccine called Genios, also known as Imvimune or Imvinex, um, is licensed to prevent both monkeypox and smallpox. Now, this isn't the first time that we've seen an outbreak outside of monkeypox outside Africa. In fact, in 2003, the first outbreak of monkeypox um, outside the continent occurred in the U.S., and that outbreak involved six different states and uh, 47 confirmed and probable cases. According to the CDC, the cases were linked to contact with pet prairie dogs. And the dogs were infected after being housed near small mammals imported from Ghana. The CDC says that the outbreak was contained through measures that included extensive laboratory testing, deployment of the smallpox vaccine and treatments, development of guidance for patients, healthcare providers, uh, veterinarians, and other animal handlers, also tracking potentially infected animals and investigating possible human cases. Response partners also had issued an immediate embargo and ban on the import, interstate transport, sale, and release into the environment of certain species of rodents, including prairie dogs. Now, while that ban was later removed by the FDA, the CDC's restriction on the importation of African rodents is still in place. So, wanted to get your thoughts on this uh, latest infectious disease outbreak and um, why we shouldn't be panicking, though. <laughs> Have you guys heard about it? Were you guys concerned when you heard about it? Or, you know, compared to COVID, I guess... Are we feeling a bit more optimistic about this one? Yeah, I recently saw it on Twitter, I think. And one thing that, you know, COVID has taught all of us and especially us as journalists is that, you know, we should not get um, overly worried by things that can be sensationalized like this mm -hmm. and, you know, clickbaity. So I was not as worried. And especially with you elaborating a lot on, uh, the infectious disease. Um, and also it's not new either. Right. Um, it's been around for decades. Um, I think what differentiated COVID from something mm -hmm. like this is that it was new and Absolutely. we didn't really know how to approach it. And we didn't know, um, you know, how it would affect various uh, groups of people. Um, but yeah, I must say, um, well, it is sad, you know, to see yet another infectious disease come come out and, and, and spread recently. I am not as worried. Um, and I think it can be, you know, contained and uh, treated. So yeah, I, I am not as worried. Yeah, great, great points. Um, the fact that this is not novel, it's not new, um, is definitely, um, what would I say, reassuring, right? Mm -hmm. So, and um, the fact that, there, you know, there already is an effective vaccine for it. I mean, the smallpox vaccine. So, yeah, I think um, we have tools, there are drugs. And um, again, and the cases that we're seeing, like, they're pretty mild. So, yeah, it's important to be vigilant, but it's, yeah, I think the a, a great lesson we learned from COVID is, um, to you know, infectious disease outbreaks are evolving situations, like a lot of health officials have been saying. So, you know, things can change um, within hours. So I think it's important to, again, like not panic when you hear a headline and to just take in the information as it comes and interpret it appropriately with the help of um 
you know, your research and all, you know, uh, experts in the field as well. So yeah, we'll keep a watch on monkeypox. Um, but uh, that's it for today's show. So um, thanks for listening in. And um, if you liked today's episode, don't forget to rate, review and subscribe. Thanks everyone and see you next week. Bye. 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 Thanks for listening to the X Talks Life Science Podcast. If you enjoyed our discussions today, please share the episode with your friends and colleagues and be sure to subscribe in order to be notified when a new episode is released. To join in on the discussion, you can find X Talks on social media, email podcast at xtalks.com or comment on the articles directly. Links are in the show description. Take a moment to join our community at xtalks.com to get access to everything we have to offer, including webinars, job listings, virtual meetings, articles, and more. The views and opinions expressed in the podcast are those of the speakers sharing them. They should not be taken as professional advice and do not necessarily reflect the policy or position Honeycomb Worldwide. For further information, email us at podcast at xtalks.com. Thanks for joining us and we'll see you next week.